Good morning, RVA. It's 35 degrees and highs today might hit 60. Tomorrow, Friday, looks colder, wetter, and less pleasant all around, so you might want to take advantage of what we got today. Looking at the extended forecast, by the way, and four of the next nine days have lows sitting just below freezing. March, winter is kind of coming back. Water cooler. Yesterday afternoon, Governor Youngkin announced, quote, the upcoming release of $30 million in learning recovery grants to parents to be used for qualifying educational services intended to address the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on students' educational progress and well-being. I've read the press release like six times, and I still don't really understand what all is actually happening. Here's the vaguest of gists. Families making less than 300% of the federal poverty level could, will, receive $3,000 to spend on, quote, vetted and approved education services they need to address the negative effects the pandemic has had on their educational progress and well-being. All other qualifying students, which I assume means families making more than three times the FPL, will receive $1,500. Obviously, folks will have a million questions about this initiative, especially what's a vetted service and who are qualifying students and where is this money coming from? Unfortunately, all we're told in the release is that we'll get a website, aka a, quote, parent-friendly, accessible, and secure online service at some point. If I try to set aside my bias, look past some of the weird language in this press release, and squint a little, these learning recovery grants seem sort of like a child tax credit, something I'm very supportive of. Of course, it could be something entirely different and nefarious, and for now, we'll just have to wait for the administration to release more details or for reporters to dig in to really understand what the governor has planned. Homeward has released its 2023 winter point-in-time count of people experiencing homelessness in our region, and overall they recorded, quote, 690 people experiencing homelessness, which is 1% lower than the point-in-time count in January 2022. However, while the total number of folks stayed mostly the same, Homeward found a, quote, 121% increase in the number of people who are staying in unsheltered conditions, the largest number of people staying outside, in cars, and other places not meant for human habitation in the past 15 years. Jod Khalil at VPM has some more details and talk with some of the folks at Homeward about what's driving this year's numbers. Unsurprisingly to anyone reading this newsletter, the region's lack of deeply affordable housing is one of the big reasons for the higher rates of unsheltered homelessness. Jonathan Spears at Richmond BizSense reports on an interesting new development planned for the site of the once decrepit, now demolished Days Inn right off Chamberlain Avenue at I-95. The interesting bit, the 186 lower-income apartments for folks making 60% of the area median income will be powered by an adjacent solar farm. Fascinating! The recently passed Inflation Reduction Act makes this possible, and if the project works out, I wonder if we'll see more of the same elsewhere in the region. Part of me wonders, though, if we should just build 50 more homes on this land and put the solar panels somewhere further out. Regardless, it's great to hear developers talk about affordable housing like this. Quote, there's still a lot more needed to solve the affordable housing crisis. We're able to pull it off because of things like the IRA, but still, more is needed to, to truly provide quality, safe, affordable housing for the folks who need it most. Do we really need to keep TikTokifying every app? Spotify says yes. I mean, I am verifiably an old man, but I do not need more reasons to stare at my phone while mindlessly swiping. This morning's long read is titled How the Ring Got Good. Some more writing advice, this time taken from the process of VJRR Tolkien himself. I saw this piece about the history of the Lord of the Rings, like how it was written, not the fictional history of Middle-earth, pop up in a couple of internet places and am so glad I tapped through. Like the author says, it's reassuring, inspiring, and hope-giving that Tolkien's first and fifth drafts were a mess too, just like the rest of us. Here's an excerpt. It's fine, as far as it goes. He could have made it work, probably. 
possibly, but it's not as cool in the way the final formulation is cool. It has none of the symmetry, the inevitability. It does only the work it has to do and nothing else. It is not yet aesthetically irresistible. There are several revised approaches to what's the deal with the ring presented in the history of the Lord of the Rings. And as you read through the drafts, the material just slowly gets better. Bit by bit, the familiar angles emerge. There seems to not have been any magic moment, no electric thought in the bathtub circa 1931 that sent Tolkien rushing to find a pen. It was just revision. I find this totally inspiring. If you'd like to suggest a long read to show up here, go chip in a couple of bucks on the old Patreon. That's patreon.com slash gmrva. This morning's picture of the day is a picture of little buds on my apple tree. I'm nervous for you, little guys. Intro and outro music by Matt Fisher. And you can find links to all these stories and more in the show notes or on gmrva.com. Thank you.